right, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're starting into the last section. We are done with controversial issues, I think. And we are done with uh, the criticism of this church. Uh, He's going to give his wrap-up, as Paul does. He kind of switches to anything practical at the end and kind of general encouragements. So we're going to read verse 1 through 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 19, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, uh, that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part uh, are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Uh, after that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles, and then last of all he was seen by me also as one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all of them. But not I. It was the grace of God that was with me, and therefore whether it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So I guess we are going to do a little criticism, but... um, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified that God raised up Christ who he didn't. In fact, that is, if the dead don't rise. For if the dead don't rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men the most pitiable. So there is some criticism, as I say, but um, it's not you guys are doing this to each other and some of the harsher things that he's gone through and talked about. But there appears to be this is directed at a small group, and we'll talk about who that might be. But... Uh, For the most part, Paul is leaving correction and going on to um, some general encouragement. Uh, Why the topic of the resurrection, specifically? That's pivotal to Christianity. Okay. It's. You don't believe he actually died and rose. Right. There's no sense in. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 it's what everything hinges on. Um, I think when you're trying to uh, bring people together, you, you try to find a point where you agree or where you should conceivably agree. Obviously, there was a small group here. It seems to be a small group that he's addressing in this. How is it that some among you are saying something different? So try to back up, and I've always, I've, I've, I don't say always, but um, 
you know, since I got a little bit smarter from after that. In college, and, uh, you know, you kind of look for your differences, and you want to jump on your differences. Oh, this is where I'm right, and this is where you're wrong, and, and things like that. And, and I found that that doesn't really, that doesn't tend to win people over. Um, and it does, like, so, so everyone just focuses on their differences. Now, I don't want to say that we should just, like, push everything off that we're different on and, and not talk about it and pretend to, oh, let's agree to disagree and all that. You know, uh, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that if you back up to a point where you agree at and, and where you're of the same mind, you should be able to, you know, it's like a zipper. It's like, oh, it's, it got off. If you back it up, like, ah, okay, now it should it should be able to go back smoothly again. Right? So, and I think that's kind of what he's doing. We should be able to agree on the resurrection. If, if we can't agree there, we've got some major, major problems. Because, like I said, that's that's what everything is about. Um, I mean, you think about today. I mean, the vast majority of the religious world, and at least in the Western religious world, to some degree, people of all faiths are saying, hey, let's at least for one week uh, do something, <laughs> even uh, whether it's for merchandising purposes. I mean, you know, your TV programs will be running things about Christ. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just because they know that there's a market for it. But I, the world acknowledges this today. One day of the year, but they'll acknowledge it. So, <clears throat> there's an interesting statement in here, because he talks about the resurrection. And Verse 2, is, uh, is there any phrases that seem interesting to you? It depends on what version, I suppose, you have. My verse says, by the gospel you are saved. It's oh, so it says are saved? Okay, does anybody have anything different from are saved? Is that... Okay. That's interesting. Uh, so I read a version, I was just reading it says you are being saved that, that's interesting that you are being saved so I don't know if this is a I didn't look up the grammar uh, I didn't know if that was a, a continuous a present continuous verb that would be interesting that you are being saved by this gospel um, and and it says uh, if you hold fast that word which would seem to indicate that that idea that that salvation is not a singular point in time. Right? We talk about, oh, I was saved. Da, da, da. You'll hear that phrase a lot in the religious world. Oh, I was saved. And, it, and then, you know, whatever that refers to. Um, but with God, it's, no, you're being saved. It, it, the gospel is saving you. It was a, it's a journey. It's a process. It is not... A singular moment in time, and uh, and it's, it's going to be the resurrection of Christ and the things that surround that 
that are the crux of, of that process. You, you can't you you can't be a part of this process if if you are one of this group that is rejecting something to do with that with that idea. It's interesting too because although I believe that you are saved, it also lends the idea that you can fall out of that Correct. as well. Right. It's yeah. not a guaranteed once saved always saved. Right. Once saved always saved dies in this verse. <laughs> because even if even if that's an incorrect translation about you are being saved, the the next phrase kinda <laughs> clearly says, listen, it's it's only if you hold fast. So um, so that puts a, a condition on it. And it makes it um, you know, not sure if you did. Now, this, you know, Romans is clear. Nothing external can separate you from the love of Christ. In those lists, nothing is listed about things that you can do to your own salvation. Those are all external things. Um, so. Right. Why would we have a Bible? If the, the, our New Testament should be about three verses long. There, there shouldn't be conditions. There shouldn't be instructions. Uh, that should not be. That's all extra credit. Really. Um, he, now, he talks about the death and resurrection of, of Christ, and he says um, uh, all of this stuff happened according to the scriptures. Verse 4, uh, verse 3 and 4, mention these things being done according to the scriptures. What does that mean? Or what possible things, plural, can that mean? Okay. So, so that's the first thing my mind goes to, that he did these things according to what was predicted. So he's, he's backing them up. And listen, this isn't, especially for those that there were a small contingent of, the, of Jewish people in this church. It wasn't the majority. But of all people, they knew the truth. They knew the predictions. They knew the prophecies. So when he, he's calling their mind to it, if, if nobody else's. Uh, so listen, this is according to the old. This is according to the Torah, and you, you and, and the prophets as well, and detailed. Everything is detailed. There there are prophecies that have to do with when it would happen. That were fulfilled exactly to the year. To the year, to the half a year, actually. There were prophecies about what was going to happen, how it was going to be happened, before that form of torture even existed in the world. Right. Right. Psalms 22. I mean, those those are those are depictions of crucifixion, which didn't exist at the time in the world. That is a Roman invention. And typically, crucifixion, things like the bones were broken, and that didn't 
Right, all, all these things that, that should have happened that, that oddity didn't in his case. And uh, so, uh, so and, and he's just reminding them, listen, this was all planned. This was all a part of everything in the Old Testament. It's not just us in the New Testament. All of time <coughs> looks at this moment. So... Uh, as one person said, the, the empty tomb, it's kind of this big, it's a big hole in the in the universe. And, and people are trying to fill it up with something. People are trying to argue against it and fill this, this hole where Jesus walked out of. And people are trying to fill it up with arguments and this, that, and the other. And it's not working. It is just this big, huge thing. This empty tomb. So it's in accordance with the scriptures. What else does it mean, I suppose, that it's in accordance with scripture? His death and resurrection. How else is it in accordance with scripture? Okay. All right. So, so we get into the idea. It's not just in in the nature of its predictions, but in the nature of its doctrine. There is a way that it happened. There's what God says it was and wasn't going to be. Right. All of the stuff about God's kingdom. Christ set that up. People tried to make it something else. He says no. Uh, this is my kingdom. This is the way it is. Right? And, and, and so the death and resurrection, you cannot make it something else. Right? And, and so here's people or a contingent of this church is trying to turn it into something else. They, they, maybe they couldn't wrap. Some people maybe weren't there. We're, we're getting to that age where, where you know people weren't there from the beginning. And that's going to be a part of this, this text. And so, so you, you have, you know, hard time believing certain things. You, you know, there's people, you've trusted people and yet had them, you probably at some point, we've all had a really close friend who we wanted to trust and they just said things that were hard to believe. Like, they're not a liar. I know them. They're not liars, but that's really hard to believe. And it, it, it stretches your imagination. And I assume that this was, like that here, it's like, you know, I kind of want to believe you, but, you know, people actually literally rising from the grave, that's that's hard to believe. I, I like you, Paul, but that's hard. <laughs> that stretches my imagination. And, and so there were people coming up with alternate explanations for this. Um, and uh, did, did, I, did I see a hand? Yeah. I was just saying that you're asking about your scripture. Referencing to the gospel itself, where Jesus himself declared what's going to happen to him. So sure. That's another scripture. Yeah, there's, I mean, from, from beginning to end, from, from the very beginning of scripture, it's being predicted. And from Genesis chapter 3 on. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is the manner in which Christ died with the crucifixion. 
guidance on a house somewhere and only a few people saw it. Like, there were a lot of people that saw Okay, that. so, so, uh, um. Like, they saw him dead up there, and then he goes on and talks about, like, and a lot of people yeah. afterwards. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. So so I want to just kind of finish up the, the idea of it being doctrinally correct. Uh, that it's not just the manner is not just a specified thing, but also the purposes for which it happened are specified. You you can't change that. Everything about everything about it. The crucifixion is for a specific reason and has things attached to it that if we change, we change the nature and work of, of Christ. Uh, Norman Greenbaum. Norman Greenbaum has one song, Spirit in the Sky. I've never sinned. I've never been a sinner. Glad I got a friend in Jesus. Like, well, what do you need him for? Um, you, you, you don't get it. Now, he wasn't actually ever a Christian, and his, I was reading the thing about him. His parents couldn't stand him. He was a Jew. Um, and his parents were like, what are you singing a song about Jesus for? He's like, yeah, it's popular right now. So, um, But um, if you're not a sinner, you don't, need, you don't need Jesus. Jesus came in accordance with scriptures. He came for a reason. His death uh, is for a reason. Uh, so we want to get to the appearances. First of all, who's Cephas? Okay, we all assume that that's Peter, right? I assume it too. Now, there are people that claim that that is not the case. And, and one of the th things that we have a problem here is a problem with math. Who does this say he appeared to? The twelve. Now, first of all, how many were there at this moment? Eleven. We know that, and that includes Peter. So it should, to me, it seems like it should be Peter in the 10 or Peter in the 11, but not Peter in the 12, because Matthias is not a part of this yet. Right? So, so how, do we, how do we figure that out? Is it, is it math? The Holy Spirit doesn't know how to... Okay, because we do this... We do this uh, how many teams are in the Big Ten? Come on, you're Wisconsin people. I can't keep count. I remember the last I paid attention to sports, it was 11. So, uh, 14. <laughs> Why don't they change it to the Big 11 or the Big 14? Okay, you know what it's referring to. If I said the Big 14, we'd go, okay, it's technically correct, but what is he talking about? Everybody understood the concept of the twelve. You say, oh, the twelve. Oh. I don't know what the original Greek would say, but it's they actually capitalized it in this version. Yeah, that's interesting. And that, but that's probably like they did. Okay, so so in in the concept, though they didn't have capital letters back then. I mean, they technically did, but they never used them. Um, they. Um, that probably wouldn't be accurate to, to do that. But the idea is right. It probably became a proper noun, the 12, right? Oh, the 12. And, and so if you said the 11, people would go, huh? Eh? What are you talking about? Right? 
another thing is it's not designed to be, and there's going to be a replacement. So 11 is a very temporary thing for like a couple of months. So they're in between 12. Now, are they going to change it every time that someone dies? Oh, James got assassinated. We're down to 11 again. Oh, this one's down. Oh, the 10. We're not. Oh, we're down to the one. <laughs> it's John. Oh, he's dead. Okay, the zero. It's, it's not. The 12 was recognized as the apostles. So there's not a problem with math, and this is not a contradiction, just so we're aware. So some people, because of that, this, well, uh, there's all this confusion about who Cephas was. Cephas must have been another person because he appeared. So they're saying, well, the, the 12 is this group over here, the apostles. So he appeared to Peter and the 12. Wait a minute. It seems like a different group of people. It's the same thing. He appeared to Peter, must have had a special moment with Peter. And then he appeared to the whole group because we see him appearing to the apostles again later. Um, uh, just kind of. Uh, why didn't it just say Peter? Why, why didn't it go to see this? You know? So. Um, Confusion. Yeah, yeah. Well, why does it say Saul and then Paul? I mean, like, we stick with one name? It's like really confusing. Uh, So, yeah, that's possible. And then he had an Aramaic name, and they might have known him by, by, by that name in, in a Greek country. They, they might not have known him as, like, like uh, so when we went over, when we lived in Ukraine, my, my English name is almost impossible for them to pronounce. They don't have, um, they don't have an ah sound in their language. It doesn't exist. They all like the like the British, so I could be Andrew. <laughs> but the, so if you're trying to be technically correct, the, in your transliterating, they, they they would try to wrap their uh, their words or try to wrap their tongue around Andrew. <laughs> like they they're trying to, but you can't say that, so they just call me Andre. It's easy. Um, so, so there, I was Andre. It's easy. Right? Chinese, it's even different. So, what was your Chinese name? Well, it was Kylie. Kylie. There you go. That didn't <laughs> at all. But they don't. They don't have those sounds. So I assumed that maybe instead of trying to do similar sounds, they might have taken because names had meanings, and so Cephas means stone, much like Petros means stone. In a different language, they might have they might have translated it and had a, an equivalent name. So, but we don't really do that. No, I'm probably one tenth of the people in this room knows what their name means. <laughs> so, we just don't, you know, it's a name. So there's not a problem with math. There's no no discrepancies. Uh, why is verse six important? And we started into this discussion. I want to. He already hit on it. This wasn't a secretive thing that nobody saw. Okay, there's a couple of things about this verse that are uh, important. This is the only verse that says this. 
Yeah. Yeah. We learn a lot of things here. Right. Right. Well, there are there are a number of apostles, there are a number of appearances. Excuse me, that that are not listed in the Gospels that are here. We don't have all of these appearances. I don't know where. I'm trying to think. I don't think I we have in the Gospels Jesus specific appearance to Peter by himself. Right. We have the upper room that without Thomas. That's not listed here. Then with Thomas, so we have the one with the women. The women aren't mentioned here. The men on the road to Emmaus aren't mentioned here. So we have ones that aren't, and we have we have this thing that 500 people. Now that's interesting because how many people are in Jerusalem? How many faithful people right after his death are in Jerusalem? Well, we have a number. 120. How's 120 in Jerusalem? So where did this happen? But that was Pentecost. That was Pentecost. Yeah. So this is, but this after. was right. This, but but it says it says that they were they were gathering. They were regularly gathering in Jerusalem. This is many apostles. Yeah. Well, this is by by the time that that he speaks. By the time he writes this, you know, around 60 A.D. And, he's, and it's the minority. So the majority is still alive. So likely this is Galilee. Where he does this appearance, um, and so it appears that there were more than 120 faithful people. Still, a small number of the you know thousands and thousands of people that followed him everywhere. But so, so likely this is in Galilee, and why you know we saw, where we see him walking by the seaside. Remember, they're fishing. He comes by the seaside. So, so that's probably that appearance. Like, so, so the first appearances are, are right there in Jerusalem, right in the upper room. Uh, but likely things transition to to Galilee for the remainder until they come down and he and he leaves from the Mount of Olives. But um, it, this is important for another reason. Um, not just to show that there's this significant number of people, but he does something that I think is important. He details, he's like, listen, they're still alive. Why is that significant? The key eyewitnesses. Okay. It's not just the 12 that know about the story. Okay. They're current eyewitnesses. Um, they're still alive. It's like, check my references. Right? You can, they're still around. Uh, this is not just me saying this. This, this, like the majority of a group of 500 people at one time. That must have been a fairly public deal. And not only the adults, because the adults, as Peggy said, might have fallen asleep. Yeah. But they had kids there. Right. So there, there might have been. Kids were right. There, there could have been like teenagers or what, you know, whatever, or younger people. You know, we're we're still about you know 25 to 30 years out from from that event, so there could be some that were younger that remember that as a younger person that that are now in churches. You know, so uh, and, and it it kind of also suggests that a, 
they're still faithful, doesn't it? If, you, if you're given those as references, <laughs> it's like, are your references current here? <laughs> so, oh, they don't believe in it anymore. I'm not going to probably give those references, but he's like, listen, they're still alive. I still know these people. I've met these people. So, so I think that's a, a really uh, key verse in this um, in this chapter. Then he says to James and all of the apostles. Okay, not controversial, but maybe a little controversial. What does he mean? Who's James? What apostles? He already appeared to the apostles, didn't he? Okay, so so likely we just got to figure out what brother. Hmm. James is mentioned as one of who? Okay, so so um, so he's an elder in some places. Okay, he's one of the apostles, right? And Peter says, or uh, uh, Paul says that in Galatians. Right? He says, of the other apostles, I saw none except for James. So, so it's an apostle. Right? But James the apostle, and this is where this, you and I may differ a little bit. Yeah. Um, by the time in Galatians, he says that James the apostle has been beheaded. There's two Jameses. There's two Jameses in the list of apostles. Is James the son of Zebedee? Yes, you're correct. Who's been beheaded? That's not the James who is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. There's another James. Who's the other James in, in the list of apostles? James the son of who? Alpheus. He's got a brother named who? Also in the apostles. He's got a brother named... Jude, or Judas, right? A guy by the name of Clopas in our Bible has a four has four sons: James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Well, I recognize two of those names, right? Clopas is the same name as Alphaeus. It's just like Peter and Cephas. Uh, they're just this, the equivalent names. The wife of Clopas is a relative of Mary. We also know that from the Bible. Well, this, the, the pieces start fitting together that this is a kinsman. Right, so um, when we moved over to Ukraine, it was hard for us to figure out why families were so small. I'm like, why are families so small here? Because everyone talks about their brother. Oh, I have my brother here and my sister there and my brother here. I'm like, but you would go over to people's houses and they might have... One sibling, I'm like, they're talking about their brother. I'm like, what? you'd think you had like these families of like six or seven kids, and we were the biggest family over there. So they have a word, brother, and they understand it. it so they have radnoi uh, brat and dvayuradnoi brat, and so that that means. Brother and first brother. So first brother would be like what we call cousins. But they don't say they don't they don't put the when they when they they just brought brother. And 
and they get it. They understand it. I don't know how they know that they're not talking about a brother, or maybe they don't care, brother or cousin, or I, I don't know. But to them, it's all the same thing, and that, that's that's the way Greek works also, uh, where it doesn't have to mean my brother Tom, my mother's son. It, it men and brethren, right? So they stand up same word. So it means any kinsman, even extended, extended kind of general nationality, same word. And they can use it from one to the other. And they get the context. So, uh, yeah. And again, this is where you and I differ, but which is stronger, uh-huh. brother or impossible? What do you mean? If you were going to be called something, the top level would be apostle. Mm-hmm. The one that's called the elder is never called the apostle. I, I don't. I don't. He's always called the elder. But, but again, that he's not. He's he's called an apostle in, in the book of Galatians. And, and in fact, in fact, that's the entire point of Galatians was was to talk about uh, much like he's doing here. In fact. What's he? What's it, it? Paul is referencing. He's referenced this in previous in First Corinthians. He, his equality as an apostle. And and he says, listen, when I, when I came up to to Jerusalem, I, I wasn't subject to the apostle. So he goes straight to the absolute top to compare himself and say, listen, I didn't even need to talk to these people. I was given this by God. I went straight, and I didn't talk to Peter. I mean, I met him, but I didn't really sit down. I wasn't instructed by Peter. I wasn't instructed by James. I got my knowledge from God. And and here, I think to the to the point here, he says, "Listen, I he he does so. He's not." Being vain, because what does he say about himself here? Yes. Okay. So, so he he. It almost sounds like he's being proud when he says, "Listen, I worked harder than all these other guys." Right. He's still he's still referencing again and again and again. He's referencing the apostles specifically because of this thing at the beginning, all of this competition. This all goes back to the first chapter. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Peter. Right? And so, so there's all these different things. And listen, I'm, I'm not less. Not greater. In, in, in a lot of ways, I'm worse because I did what? I persecuted the church. So guess what I've had to do? What did he have to do because of that? I had to work harder. Why do you suppose he had to work harder? Big reputation. Peter had a little bit of a reputation. He's kind of a loud mouth that stick his foot in his mouth all the time. But that's a reputation you can get over. Walking into a church where you put like so and so's relative in prison, that's a hard reputation to get over. You're going to have to work hard. And, and, and for that reason, Barnabas is like, 
maybe you just need to leave for a little while and let things calm down here and come back in a few years. And, and it's a good idea. Uh, so, um, so we talked about Paul being untimely born. How? Let's be a little bit more specific. How was he untimely born? Not just that he came later, but what specifically? Yeah. Oh, yes. So he wasn't even, I mean, he was probably almost certainly in Jerusalem to observe Jesus. There's no question. He was in Gamaliel's school. I don't doubt. And he was there for all those Passovers. I guarantee it. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew, he might have been a younger person at the time. But there's no question he knew or had seen Jesus but not in the way that would have qualified him to be an apostle. When, when Matthias was picked, what was the, what was the, they got it down, they narrowed it down to two. And what was one of the biblical requirements or what they believed was the scriptural requirements? They had to have been with Jesus. From the beginning. So he wasn't with Jesus, and certainly not from the beginning. So he's untimely born. He's an apostle's directly, directly called and said, "I'm appearing to you now. I'm going to appear to you now, and you're going to fulfill the requirements this way." So, um, so Paul labored. Because of because of all of his disadvantages, he had to work harder. Um, <clears throat> so he says, "Whether I or they, you heard this gospel, this news of the resurrection. I or who? The apostles. What does that tell me about this church?" They're not all from Paul. They're not all disciples from Paul. Some of them might have moved here from a different place and they had heard it from Peter. This would start suggesting to me why there's these competitions, you know? Which, at the very beginning yeah. of this book, yeah. Paulus and right. all the different ones. Yeah. It, it, you're kind of partial to the people that taught you, aren't you? You can. Yeah, yeah but I was taught by so and so. Yeah. Yes. So it doesn't matter who you hear it from, whether it's that or it's me. Right. This is what we're preaching for. Right. That, that's actually important. We're going to get into that. We don't have time to get into that. But that is a, a, an incredible point. Because there are, there are ideas out there that, that Paul and Peter preached different Gospels. Which would seem contradictory to me, but that's a view. Um, and there's a reason for it. Um so, the reality is that the messenger is not really that important just so long as the message is the message. 
I don't, it didn't make a difference if Paul preached it to you or Peter preached it to you or Apollos preached it to you or some guy that was nobody knows their name preached it to you. If it's the gospel, it's the gospel. So who um, could this be referencing? He references this group of people that could be saying that there's no resurrection. Again, a minority. Who could that be? Okay, so we've got two right there. So we have Sadducees. Uh, who are the Sadducees? Okay, so so who primarily were Sadducees? There's a group of people. The priests. It's a minority. Where are the priests at still? They're in Jerusalem. So this is likely not, but that would be one group that could be, maybe there's one guy that's traveled and kind of influencing things there. Uh, but, you know, with a past who's kind of become a Christian sort of, I, I don't know, that's possible. I don't, I don't know. So there's another group you mentioned who? The Gnostics. Okay, so the Gnostics is another group, and they're really basically starting. They're not a big thing yet. Um, they're more late. You'll you'll see Gnostic ideas when John writes, you know, in the late later part, and even the last bit of Paul's writings. First Corinthians is still fairly early. We're talking like the 50s, late 50s for for. So probably not the Gnostics yet, but I'm not. It, there were there were those ideas starting. Um, so there's a there's a reference, um, and we'll we'll close here. Acts chapter 17. If someone wants to read Acts 17 verse 18, because I I, I kind of that's the way I was thinking was was might be the Gnostics, but uh, I, I read something interesting and pointed to this. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, "What is this babbling?" Babbler trying to say. Okay. And what was he talking about in Acts? Does it mention the the thing he was talking about that made them... This was in Athens that was full of idols, and he said this is, you know, you have to an unknown God. Right, yep. And this is who he is. And what, in this this passage, maybe, I don't, maybe it's a couple of verses earlier, later, uh, it references the doctrine that he was teaching that made them go, this guy's crazy. The resurrection. No, Athens is about 50 miles away from, from Corinth. We talked about this at the beginning, remember, uh, in, in, in uh, chapter 2 or 3, he's, he's ripping on two different groups. He says, the Jews seek a sign... And the Greeks seek wisdom. Right? They were they were into their philosophy. So Epicureans, which Acts mentions, were people that they, they just thought you live for today. Everything is what just experience your world around you and enjoy that. So so to them the afterlife was pointless. And the Stoics were subdivided into two groups. One of which was almost pantheistic. That was like when you die, you kind of become a part of the. You know, the force kind of a thing. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Acts 17, 32. Oh, okay. It's, it's way down. So. 
Okay, so so it's later on. So I was thinking it was in the same verse there. But um, so 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 you have three fourths of this. If they're still into their philosophy that they've brought in, that will uh, it'll be that which ends up becoming a part of this combination that be produces Gnosticism down the road. Um, that would explain. Uh, this small group is still a small group of people apparently that are still holding on to their education that we learned and we can't give it up because you know I don't know maybe they had invested money in a degree <laughs> in Epicurean philosophy or whatever I don't know uh, but um, so some people can't give up what they've learned um, and that's sad but it, it's We'll get into next week. We didn't get into it this week, but the the point of the resurrection and the the implications of rejecting that that there are far-reaching implications. So we're going to dismiss.